You are now listening to We Live in a Society. everyone welcome to the first episode of our new podcast entitled we live in a society my name is anirid penathor and my name is ashwin prabhu i think freakonomics meets chapo trap house meets the ben shapiro show i think that's probably where you're where you're getting in uh, into the avenue a little bit where we consider our biggest influences to be joe rogan and michael vick <laughs> Right, that sort of makes sense. You know, sort of a sort of a cross between um, you know Scott Van Pelt, but also um, a Lil Uzi Vert. You know? Exactly. <laughs> right. 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 The zenith of pop culture. Um, right. But Ashwin, I mean, let's. I mean, let's kick things off. I, I, the NFL draft has has been going on the last couple of days, and I'm curious about your thoughts on the Bears. You know, okay, so okay, we'll start with the Bears. We'll start with the Bears. Okay, so just in case you guys didn't know, maybe you guys aren't plugged in with the Bears, but we did not have a first round pick for now that the second straight year. This is a result of the Khalil Mack trade. Um, so our pick went to Oakland with number 19, I believe. That was the pick that was transferred to Oakland. And they took, I believe it was an edge rusher. I don't think it was anything like super duper like I was concerned about particularly. So now we get to our picks, right? Second round. We got pick number 43 and pick number 50. Pick number 43, we select Cody, uh, sorry, Cole Komet, number one, uh, number one tight end in the draft. And you're probably thinking, like, okay, yeah, number one tight end, sure, that's that's good. And you're thinking, and you know, the Bears do need a very good tight end, but we currently have 10 tight ends on the roster now. So, um, and we just signed Jimmy Graham. Now, mind you, this is 33-year-old Jimmy Graham, who essentially hasn't been relevant since Seattle, and even that's a stretch. Um, right. And we just signed him for $16 million for two years. So part of me is like, okay, I like the pick. Um, but, uh, I, is Jimmy, like, I don't know how this is going to work necessarily. And I'm not a super huge fan. I'm not, I don't necessarily trust Ryan Pace on the offensive side of the ball. Uh, I think that's a little self-explanatory. Well, I think the bears um, really believe in the free market, right? Because, you know, you, 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 you want to have three guys per position that are always competing, but the bears were right. just like, fuck it. Let's, let's get 10 tight ends <laughs> and let them battle it out. Like private right. insurance. And you know what, honestly, if, if I'm going to be honest, I think that if I want the bears to sort of like, uh, um, sputter and fail expectations, I like to do it with 10 tight ends. Like if that's our thing, we're going to have 10 tight ends. Like, okay, fine. Like I'm okay it's, with that. Like if we're going to sort of be... like a movie scene where uh, the hero needs to kill the villain and he just jumps off a cliff shooting bullets <laughs> into the air and he's going to die. But right. Exactly. It's kind of like, um, I don't know if you've seen the movie, Billy Madison and Adam Sandler, right. but like, you know, that scene where he like does that, like, at the end, he's trying to give a, an, a history of the Industrial Revolution or something and how it relates <laughs> to the modern novel. He just right. spews, like, absolute, like, garbage. And the announcer is like, that was the worst answer I've ever heard. <laughs> and may God help your soul. It's like that. Like, if we're going to go out, let's go out like that. But um, right. so that pick is there. Um, and number, number 50, we take Jalen Johnson, cornerback out of Utah, who I actually really like. I've just done some research on him. He's got a like, really good... Um, Really good skill set, really good size for the position. Also, from by all accounts, looks like he like prepares really hard, all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. So I'm cool with the pick. I may could have potentially liked the safety a little bit more. I think it's maybe more of a pressing need. But I mean, it's like you can't at some point. It's like if you take like one of the best players available, like you can't necessarily be too upset. So yeah, uh, I guess I was okay with that. I was okay with that. Yeah, the cor- and the corner safety skill set you can you can sort of develop a corner into a safety and right. vice versa, just sort of given the right tools. And exactly. Uh, I, yeah. I'm sticking with my hot take prediction. I, I think the bears are going to sneak into the top two in, in the NFC North this year, just because 
the Packers seem to have little to, to no plan of how they're going to utilize Aaron Rodgers. I mean, My I'm sure the Packers yeah. would be begging for Jimmy Graham back if, <laughs> if they knew that it was going to go like this. Right. What I, what I don't understand about the Packers, right? So, like, people are saying, like, okay, so, of course, you know, Jordan Love, right? Just, like, you know, drafting the predecessor, or sorry, the successor, whatever, all that. So some people right. are like, oh, like, this is just like when the Packers drafted Brett, sorry, Aaron Rodgers to replace Brett Favre. And we all know that, you know, Rodgers sat for whatever three or four years. And then like, you know, Brett Favre was able to, uh, I mean, kind of pass down the reins. Aaron Rodgers obviously is Aaron Rodgers. But here's the thing. What, here's the thing, the differences between those two situations. One, Brett Favre was like, I was looking back at reading some stuff. Like he was contemplating retirement every off season. Like every off season, he was like, I don't know if I'm going to come back. So it's like, you kind of needed a draft or a replacement at that point. Aaron Rodgers is not so bad at all. Aaron Rodgers is like, I want to play until my 40s. And like, <laughs> like there's no, I want to finish in Green Bay. There's, there's no indication he wants to leave. So that makes zero sense. And then two, um, Aaron Rodgers, as we all look back, it's like Aaron Rodgers was like a top 10 value in that draft in 2005, I believe it was. Like everyone was like, why did Aaron Rodgers drop to 20, 24, I believe it was the pick was. Like, and that was a consensus, consensus opinion at the time. Jordan Love is not receiving that type of like, you know, uh, that type of praise. Like, I think this quarterbacks, you know, like there's a huge, I mean, like, you know, Burrow and, and Tua obviously were like, you know, very small margin of difference between those two. And then I think a much bigger margin between Tua and Justin Herbert. But like after that, I mean, like, yeah, like Jordan Love in the top, it, to trade up for Jordan Love too. Mind you, they traded up to do this. Like in the Aaron Rodgers draft, Aaron Rodgers kind of fell into their lap. But like, uh, so I really just don't understand it. Yeah. And, and, you know, I'm, I'm thinking about it and, and I'm, I'm just like, if you wanted to rebuild and you wanted to like, you know, that Jordan love is going to be the heir apparent. Why would you not just blow everything up right now? The right. chargers would be the perfect landing place for Aaron Rodgers. They were in need of a quarterback. Oh, yeah. They were in oh, the Brady 100%. sweepstakes, have the weapons around them, have an insane running game. Yet you don't, you don't trade Aaron Rodgers to the chargers and get the sixth pick which you could have also used that right. six pick to move up and get Tua. Like there's just so many options out there. Uh, and Green Bay is a, a you know, well-coached situation, good, good place for a rookie quarterback to end up. I don't know why you want to you wanna string along Jordan Love for two years and then 100%. let Aaron Rodgers walk when his contract is up. Yeah, it doesn't make any sense. Exactly. The Packers are in win-now mode. Like, okay, while I, I mean, of course I'm biased as a Bears fan, but I, I think they're 2020, their last season, though they were a second seed, bit of a fraud. But of course, that's just me spot speaking. But they're still one win away, really, from the Super Bowl. I mean, right. I mean like, they were, like, in, they were 400 Raheem Mostert yards away from a, from a Super Bowl. <laughs> right, exactly, exactly. But um, so yeah, they're, in, they're still in win-now mode is the point. And so I just don't understand, like, why they go for uh, Jordan Love in that position. I'm just going to piss off Aaron Rodgers even more, which, you know, like Aaron Rodgers is a very opinionated guy. He's not the type of guy to just like, you know, yeah, like company man, so to speak. Right, right. You uh, Are you a follower of the Twitter account, Barry McCockner? Oh, we got to talk. We got to talk about this. The Barry McCockner thing. This I man this. puts out, <laughs> puts out two tweets. One is a fake Ian Rappaport tweet. <laughs> Saying that Rodgers is beside himself. Oh my goodness. Very upset. Gets retweeted by multiple ESPN and Fox sports personalities. And puts out a second tweet. A faked publicized statement from the Green Bay Packers CEO saying, 
we're sorry for drafting Jordan Love. We didn't want to offend you, Aaron Rodgers. We'd like to publicly apologize. That also gets retweeted by like <laughs> the news media. Dude, this like the Twitter landscape these days is so it's it's just hilarious. It's honestly a simulation. So I'll give you an example, right? Like, um, I don't know how much you followed the part in my take, like Barstool account, but basically one of their hosts has a dog, a, a Twitter account for his dog where he posts like scoops that he has gathered, right? But it's like- Leroy? Yeah, Leroy, exactly. Right. So Leroy, Leroy tweets like two or three weeks ago about Gronk maybe wanting to come back out of retirement and go to Tampa Bay. And, and but two weeks later, I mean, it happens, right? So there's a tweet where Adam Schefter is like, hey, good job, Leroy. I was like, we are just peak simulation right now. I cannot believe this is happening, but yeah. It's amazing, yeah. It's, mm-hmm. It is really the sports world equivalent of- recommending that people drink uh drink disinfectants right oh my goodness you know actually you know speaking of sports insiders you know i'm gonna i'm just gonna run this, run this idea by you anybody listening out there if you steal this idea i will kill you but um okay i was thinking about this right you know the movie nightcrawler right kind of like right journalism <laughs> and like you know just the sort of like kind of dark underworld and what it takes to like get these like you know top be the first to a story what if we made a Nightcrawler-esque movie about like sports insiders, like the woges of the world? Like, how do they get their scoops? Like, do they have guys like, you know, like Jake Gyllenhaal type characters just like running around LA who are just like, you oh, know, absolutely. A guy. <laughs> absolutely. We need, we, I mean, first off, you need, a, we, you need one white guy and one minority. So I'm, I'm thinking of a, of a sort of like uh, Oscar Isaac, John Cho situation, two actors that really need that Oscar, right? <laughs> And, 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 you know, one of them yeah. is absolutely psychotic and they're just running around uh, and like they get a call from the boss man, Adrian Wojnarowski. Wodr- yeah, right. <laughs> exactly. He's like, he, hey, see, see what you can find me on, uh, I don't know, uh, Marvin Bagley. <laughs> so Oscar Isaac just posts up outside Marvin Bagley's house for four days, nonstop, right, exactly. watching him shower. <laughs> exactly like i like, like can we do like a shams origin story where a sham starts off as like the minority guy works his way up and now he's like a woge contemporary of sorts like i think we can make this movie i think there's a market for this movie <laughs> oh yeah totally and at that point it becomes almost like a ford versus ferrari like situation like shams versus woge <laughs> right movie <laughs> right exactly oh i like that i thought yeah it's, it's a shams of this woge it's like it's kind of like you know like de niro and pacino and heat we're like you're not sure who you're rooting for <laughs> right right it's like do you want to go with the old maverick <laughs> right the young ambitious up and right, right exactly we, burns everyone by signing with like the athletic <laughs> Right, we need to. We need to, like, you know, you know, if, if um, if someone, I don't know, Brad Pitt's production studio is like listening to this right now, like, green light this. Reach out to one of us. We'll get this going. Yeah, we get like Riz Ahmed to play Shams. I could totally, I could totally see a, a like a, a scene where like they're at the practice facility and right. they're watching like uh, I don't know, maybe like let's say a Jokic type play, um, right. and, and Jokic like just like awkward landing tears his ACL and the, the young minority assistant wants to run over uh, and help the guy. Whereas (laughs) Shams is on his camcorder recording. (laughs) And he's just like, no, don't help him at all. This is, this is the scoop. Shams, Shams, we have to help him. (laughs) No, 
we think about ourselves first. Right, like first we need to tweet a towards ACL. Then we we like try to get him some ice or something. Then we need to record a thirty minute podcast right here in the studio with his <laughs> cries of pain serving as the background music. Right, exactly. We need to do an emergency pod. <laughs> the guys in the ringer are just like, yeah, we need to do an emergency pod right now. <laughs> Bill Bill Simmons is just like, all right, Shams, Shams, can you get a get a close up of the of the leg there? I need to need to examine it a little bit. So what you're seeing here, folks, is a torn ACL. Pod Possibly lacerated yeah. meniscus. Uh, right. You know, like, wow, Jokic. <laughs> at the end of the day, if you want to win the basketball game, you're really going to not want to tear your ACL. <laughs> <laughs> right. If Magic Johnson like, hears about that. Oh, my goodness. Oh, man. That's so, amazing. yeah, that's, I, I think, I think that, that's, a, that's a story right there. That's a story right there. <laughs> oh, totally. Totally. Oh, man. No, we, we, we definitely need an influx of these sports-related movies in these trying COVID times. Right now, hundred percent. Because I mean, yeah. After a while, we can only get. There's only so many like rerun games we can do before it's just like Hawks versus like Hornets, 2015. <laughs> right. But actually, yeah. a pretty good segue into in our main um, main point for today. So we're going to be talking poverty franchises of the 20th century. So you want to you want to define that just for our listeners because it's kind of a weird kind of a charged term. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No. But, um, yeah. A poverty franchise is the colloquialism for just a, a sports franchise that no matter how hard they try, no matter what move they make, they just cannot seem to get better. They're always in the trenches and just absolutely terrible. And every, all of their fans are constantly frustrated because it's, it just seems like every move they make is not thought out at all. And, right. uh, you know, I, I, th- I think, I think already, if you're, if you're thinking about this term, you're, you, there are a couple of franchises that have popped <laughs> into your head, but, right. but, We've gone through the liberty of, of each picking out five or so NBA franchises that we think are, are just the worst of the worst. Um, and yeah, I mean, we can get into the list. Uh, would you would you like to kick us off, Ashwin? Yeah, for sure. So uh, I'm going to start with one that now, while right now may seem like they're sitting pretty, they're sitting pretty. Uh, I would say historically, I've just had a really questionable uh, list, and especially this decade. So I'm going to start right now with the Brooklyn Nets. From 2012 to 2016. So, um, also with my list, um, I don't know about yours, but for mine, I'm also making a little bit like time specific. So, you know, maybe a team mm-hmm. stretch from like this period to this period. But um, so that's why I'm starting off the Nets, right? So, very interesting. Okay. Yeah. So, first, I mean, we're all thinking of one trade in particular, but I'm going to think about a trade that maybe goes under the radar a little bit. In 2012, right? Mm-hmm. Nets are at this point um, like a 10th seed, right? They might, they're 15 and 29, I believe, is the record. They trade an unprotected first for Gerald Wallace in 2012 from, from the, to the trailblazers, they trade unprotected first to the trailblazers for Gerald Wallace. Mm-hmm. Um, right. And the Nets end up like tank. They end up horrible that year. Their record. Uh, I don't remember exactly. They definitely missed the playoff. They're definitely in the lottery. They end up with the sixth pick, but of course it goes to Portland. That pick ends up being Damian Lillard. They miss out on drafting <laughs> Damian Lillard to, to make a trade for Gerald Wallace in a feeble attempt to make a playoff push. Now, at the time, Gerald Wallace was like a somewhat, maybe like fringe all-star, like maybe like averaging 20 a game type guy. But even at that point, his concussion history was like super like sketchy. Not really sure why they traded unprotected first, but apparently I looked back and just like looked at their logic reasoning. They were like, they thought it was, this is the Anthony Davis draft. So they were just like, oh, like we only want Davis or like Michael K. Gilchrist, which actually got back to K. Gilchrist. But um, they just try to do that. And so um, they missed out on Lillard, which is like, incredible of course they did have they didn't end up getting darren williams uh, at the time so i guess like that's all right but like i mean damien's like 
all-star, arguably like he could have been all like first team all in NBA this year. But, but anyways, there's that. Then I'm going to mm-hmm. talk about the big trade. We all know this trade. I'm talking about the KG for Pierce trade. And right. If, right. If you, right. Uh, if you look at this, I mean, they give, they give, the Nets give Gerald Wallace, Marshawn Brooks, Chris Humphreys, Keith Bogans, Chris Joseph, and of course, what we're all thinking about, four first-round draft picks <laughs> to the Celtics. And, and in 2018, they give them a – sorry, in 2017, they do a pick swap where they swap picks with them. And the Celtics end up turning this into – hear me out. I mean, we all know this, but I'm just going to say it. They turn it right. into Jalen Brown – Jason Tatum, and they use that to trade for Kyrie Irving as well, which is like, I mean, Irving doesn't just like work out, but still, like, I mean, the situation was an insane, right? Of course, and then the Nets get KG, Paul Pierce, uh, DJ White, and Jason Terry, which I actually forgot they got Jason Terry in that trade. They end up playing KG and Pierce, of course, were the star of that trade. End up playing for one year for Brooklyn. They get bounced in the first round. And then they're off. And then KG retires and uh, Pierce is off to uh, Los Angeles, I believe, for the Clippers. And I mean, of course, as we know, the Nets are hampered for the rest of the decade, pretty much until they get signed, you know, GM Sean Marks in 2016. They kind of start to turn around. Obviously, now they have um, Durant and Kyrie, but just an awful stretch of decision making, really. Pretty much like taking a bazooka and shooting yourself in the foot. And, uh, yeah. I mean, dude, forget, forget, like, Giving up the five players, right? Because I, I think that's compensation enough. For right, you, right. Four first-round picks, like four. For, like, did, did they not have scouts who evaluated KG and, and Paul Pierce's talent? Right. I think <laughs> even at the time we were like, you know, of course, in retrospect, we can look back and just like, you know, absolutely like dump on them. But like, even at the time, it's like KG, aging KG, super old Paul Pierce. I just, I did not understand. Even at the time, we were just to like, sell Why? tickets because I feel like they would have sold. Nonetheless, because it's it's Brooklyn. Oh my goodness, that is okay. You know what? Because you're right. This argument is made all the time, right? It's like, oh, let's trade for like this guy who's like has a great name and will sell tickets. Like, you know, what sells tickets? Winning games. That's yeah. what sells tickets. Like, this has historically happened so many times. Like, you know, trading for the aging star, and it just it never is worth. I mean, yeah. I'm a Bulls fan. I can tell you all about that. But like. Um, yeah, I don't yeah. want to trade we, for Pau Gasol to put up <laughs> two points a night. Right, like Pau Gasol legitimately will only go for it once he gets his 18 and 10, and then he'll just like die. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, dude, that's a, it's a good first start. Um, yeah. I did my list a little bit differently. Okay. Uh, I, I I did it sort of a, a, as a sort of decade overall perspective. Okay. Um, and so... Uh, like fifth on my list, I actually have the Washington Wizards. I, okay, I think great that, pick. You know, it is, they have had like spurts of success, so I'm not penalizing them as much as other teams, but. Right, for sure. They, they went, um, get seven games against that Celtics team, I think in 16, 17. 16, yeah. 17 was their peak, right? Yeah. They had, they had yeah, a, yeah. a nice ca- supporting cast of Markeith Morris, Otto Porter Jr., Thomas Sadaransky, Marcin Gortat, uh, to right. compliment John Wall and Bradley Beal. For sure. Which is sure. like. In my opinion, at that time, I think probably like in contention for the number two backcourt of the NBA, uh, right, right, behind Stephen Clay. The, here, here's here's the thing though. Um, in 2009, they traded their their five pick to Minnesota, who used it on Ricky Rubio, I believe, in right. a talented draft class with James Harden, Steph Curry, Demar Derozan, <laughs> and others. So, right, just they completely sh- like shot themselves in the foot there. In return right. for that trade, they received Mike Miller and Randy Foy. And 
Oh my! Goodness. I don't know about you, but I haven't heard those names basically since the trade. I, I mean, yeah, like Mike Miller, like maybe like with the you know um, the Heat teams, he was a great role player. But like right. Randy, I mean, like you, like you don't need to trade for those types of guys when you're giving up uh, a yeah a first, a first round, round pick. Here. Yeah. Oh my god! Uh, in essence, they basically gave up James Harden for those two guys. Is the way I look at it. Right. Um, right. The other other boneheaded moves have just been more recently. You know, they gave John Wall a mega deal, uh, Supermax. And and then he got seriously injured, which is like very unfortunate because I actually really like John Wall. He's one of my favorite players uh, in, that, in that part of the decade. And I think he's a baller and could come back and have high production. The problem is, you know, their contract m- management after that has been very terrible. Uh, they They've... It's been a mixture of bad luck and, and, and bad management, but they have right. 90 million tied up to five players. Right. And they basically lost two seasons of John Wall's prime. No, I mean, John Wall, I mean, that's pretty much the worst contract in the league. It's in like an untradeable thing, pretty much. Like Exactly. Yeah. I mean, I don't even think they can get insurance for it, uh, from what I've heard, but uh, might be wrong on that. I think they may, may have gotten like a season's worth of injury insurance, but that's still like, Right. pennies in comparison um, mm-hmm. and then you know in 2011 they they, they selected a, a dude named jan Vaselli over Kawhi, kemba jimmy butler and clay right that's a terrible draft, draft yeah. evaluation and then finally like the just uh cherry on top is you know the recent recent moves um that exemplify how terrible the gm ernie grunfeld was uh he brought in oh, dwight howard yeah completely bombed the locker room like in the last few years and they're frankly still recovering. And I think they have like maybe some pieces in like Hachimura, but free Bradley Beal is all I'm going to say. Right. I mean, I mean, what's weird. Cause I think Bradley Beal's expressed how he wants to stay there and like stay with the team. But I mean, uh, uh, it's seriously like, right. Totally disarray. Um, I remember like the one, their one maybe moment of hope was like KD might wanting to play for his hometown team, but it's like, why? I don't think he even took a meeting with them. Like, it not, was just like, did not. <laughs> right, exactly. It was just like an awful, um, yeah, there's, and there's, they're verging on like irrelevant, really. That's when you know sometimes I feel like with these like poverty teams, like, like, totally, <laughs> like yeah, just, exactly. They're just, they're so bad, they're irrelevant, right? Exactly, okay. right. Great pick. No, great pick for sure. So my next pick, um, I'm also going similar to, uh, this is like a decade of just horridness of the Phoenix Suns. The Phoenix ah, Suns yes. are just like, so just, just to give you some stats, they've been in the lottery every year since 2011. So that's a decade worth of lottery pick. And arguably have two guys doing a show for it. Like, like Devin Booker, <laughs> sure. Maybe DeAndre Hayden, we still don't really know. But um and, and just just like boggling, similar to uh, Washington, where it's like even when they experience success, it's like what do they do? They can't like do anything after that, right? So, mm-hmm. Suns, right? First of all, have not made a playoff. Pulling up who Phoenix has drafted over the last decade, right? No, you look at this list. I, I have it right now. I have it up right now, and it's just yeah, it's just like my goodness. Like, um, so what was I gonna say? So I'm gonna start number one with. Uh, the fact that they've experienced one winning season since 2010, right? 2000, mm-hmm. In the 2013-2014 season, they won 48 games, just miss out on a playoff spot. They have a starting lineup, which is, like, pretty solid of, like, you know, Dra- Goran Dragic, Eric Bledsoe, um, P.J. Tucker, Channing Frye, Miles Plumley. So, actually, you know, kind of a modern starting five, you know, four guys can shoot, you know, pretty, pretty good, like, defensive switching and stuff. Right. After this season, they trade for Isaiah Thomas. They trade with Sacramento for Isaiah Thomas. Like why add a third point guard to your um, to your roster, right? The next year 
they lose 33 games. They win 33 games. So they're on the further decline. Then right. a year after that, in free agency, they sign Brandon Knight <laughs> to a four-year deal. And it's like, what? So now there's now there's four point guards on the on the on the roster, mind you. Then that same year, in uh, the 2016 draft, they draft Dragon Bender with the fourth <laughs> pick in a draft that I mean, while it was kind of top heavy when you have Brett Ben Simmons, Brandon Ingram, and Jalen Brown, mm-hmm. um, I don't know. You, you were missing out on a guy like, you know, Jamal Murray, you know, who's like, you know, fringe all-star, Buddy Heald, for example. Right, um, right. Some really good Dej- depth signings as well. Oh, like DeJounte Murray, who's kind of like, uh, yeah. or even like Malcolm Brogdon, these kinds of guys. So um, it's it's just absurd, really, that, or even like DeMont, or even Pascal Siakam, you know, Siakam, DeMontis Sabonis, like guys who essentially turned into what they maybe thought Dragon Bender could become, but just really, really off. Right. Then the next offseason, they then trade, I believe it was um, like two, uh, they then trade for Marquise Chris, who ah. they had passed on in the draft. They trade for Marquise Chris, who was just, of course, like absolutely irrelevant. Basically, right. my main point, my main takeaway is that they have kicked in the lottery every year since 2011, <laughs> have nothing to show for it. And you know uh, what's fu- funny about Marquise Chris is that he lost, re- he like didn't produce anything for the Suns. And then joins Golden State and has actually been balling out this year in, in the absence of so many so many players. Right, it's, right. It's crazy. Like he has a, a basically a bench role locked up on the team for the next few years. Exactly. Like they kind of. I mean, like I mean, Golden State has sort of the um, the structure to utilize a guy like Marquis Chris, but just like this absurd how. I mean, you know, what? I didn't even talk about. I didn't even talk about the decade before that, which is like they're still equally pretty bad. Like. You might think, yeah, of course, the Nash teams with D'Antoni, run and gun. They gave the Spurs run for their money. But, like, just absurd deals. Like, they trade Luol Dang <laughs> down. and They trade that pick so they can pick down in the draft. So, it's like you basically traded a seven pick so you could pick at 21 and pick a guy who's worse than Luol Dang. And then, like, not re-signing Joe Johnson, tra- like overpaying for Quinton Richardson. There's just so many, like, just Ooh. even when they're good that, they've, that the Phoenix Suns have just been awful. A lot of goofs. Yeah, no, totally. Uh, you know, I, I, I hope they turn it around because I think Devin Booker is just generational, but, um, really? I, 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 I think, I think the situation is, is bad. Um, hopefully, you know, I, I know they've made some management moves. And so I think, I think those could bring about positive outcomes in the next few years, but we'll, we'll, we'll just have to see. It's right. the same story every year. We hope that they'll take the next step and it looked like they were for a hot second this year and they just, no, no, for sure. I mean, yeah, Devin Booker actually is bad. He, you're right. Like he has been having a really good season this past year. He's averaging 26, four, uh, seven assists, pretty much. Uh, field goal percentage of 48.7, effective field goal percentage of 54.3. So he was definitely um, balling. So I guess, but I mean, yeah, that's one pick. And yeah. so we're still sort of seeing, I'm pretty sure he wants to like join up with towns in Minnesota. I've heard like that's like, so Phoenix has just, exactly. been, just been awful. Yeah, man. Uh, and, and, and I mean, sim- sticking with uh, the Pacific Division, uh, Sacramento Kings is my right. next no, pick. I was, I was, I was going to say, yeah, for sure. Yeah. Uh, the, you know, I'll give credit where credit is due. <clears throat> They're on the ups- upswing because of like De'Aaron Fox, Marvin Bagley, and some good supporting cast players. And I think they're like a fringe eight seed, uh, right. you know, in the next few years. But it could have been so much better. And like, it's, it all starts with first like firing Mike Malone. 
I don't know why they thought that was a good idea because this man led them to a like five, one start uh, in like, I think like 2013 or something like that. Like it's a very hot season for, for, for the Kings. Um, And DeMarcus cousins had fallen ill um, with some, some sort of viral viral illness that kept him out for a while. And the Kings like took that as a sign that they should fire Mike Malone because of something out of his control. And now he's, now he's at Denver and basically leading them to the playoffs every single year. Right. Very the much top, entitled top seed, like, yeah. yeah. Sure. <laughs> it's great. It's, it's crazy, man. So, so they fire him. That man also got along well with DeMarcus cousins, which is a huge deal. Cause not everyone does. Um, and so they overlooked those intangibles and, and I think it's a huge mistake. Next, they had a budding star and fan favorite in Isaiah Thomas, and they also had Tyreek Evans, but they didn't want to pay Thomas, so they sent him to the Phoenix Suns, and eventually the Suns trade him away, and you know the rest of the story. Like He right. falls out in Boston, just becomes fan favorite, like top two, two three point guard in the NBA. Right. It, was, it was crazy. Um, <clears throat> and, you know, it's other boneheaded moves, uh, like... They sent Nick Stauskas, Carl Landry, and Jason Thompson to the Sixers. Right. Dump, <laughs> dump salary. And then using that salary, they, they signed Rondo, Bellinelli, and Kufos. It's crazy. The Sixers were able to take that pick, yeah, and just, like, run with it. And they Exactly. Tra- uh, remind me again, do they, do they end up trade? I forgot if they trade that pick to, <laughs> like, LA, to the Clippers or something. And then that's the Clippers. It could have been like, in yeah. the Shamit. No, 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 not in the sh- Yeah, yeah, the, the Harris deal, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, it could have been in the, in the Harris deal, right? Right. But 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 then their probably most egregious move is they passed on Luca. Like Right. Like yeah, so did the Suns, but we already covered them. The Kings were in prime position to take this generational talent who's like dominating the NBA. And they picked Marvin Bagley, who's like not a scrub, but not what we thought he would be. So No, 100%. I don't know, man. And the thing is, like, it's just one of those moves where it's like, oh, um, well, we had a guy at point guard. We had De'Aaron Fox. We didn't want to take Luka. But it's like, I think we've seen time and time again, if you put a collection of players that, like, are that good together, like, especially with a guy like Luka, like, knowing Luka's skill set, which is, like, this big playmaker, he can play off ball actually quite well. Like, it it just makes no sense to me. You take the best available. Right, you take the best available, or you know what? If it, or you could you could trade De'Aaron Fox. He's still a very valuable um, asset slash player. So even if it doesn't work with him on the court, you can trade him. Similar to actually kind of what Dallas did, right? Like Dallas, um, <laughs> Dallas drafts Luca when they had Dennis Smith Jr. Right? They trade Dennis Smith Jr. to the Knicks, which I'm sure we'll get into in a little bit. Right. But they trade right. to the Knicks, and they're able to get Kristaps for it. And now they're um, like top five seed in the West, probably already. Mm-hmm. Luca's what second season, right? So it's, I just, I don't, I've never understood this logic of just like, well, let's draft by position. It's like, you draft the best guy available and you kind of, start, especially in basketball, football, exactly. you kind of like make an argument like, okay, well, you really need an offensive lineman, something like that. But in basketball, mm-hmm. there's five players on the court. I mean, I'd rather have two of the best five guys, two, you know, exactly, two of the best guys on the court. Rather especially than- in an era where Draymond Green and LeBron James are playing point. It's like exactly, yeah. Anyone can do anything. It's positionless basketball now. So, exactly, or yeah, where where Giannis Giannis is the point guard essentially, (laughs) right? Right. Exactly. Um, No, hundred percent agree. Hundred percent agree. All right, all right. Who Um, who do you have next? Right, right. So my next pick, uh, 
you know, maybe coming in light of the, the last dance, you know, I might be thinking about Jordan in a very high regard, which we deserve to. Jordan is like the GOAT, obviously. But as an owner of the Charlotte Hornets, not so much. Charlotte Hornets, my guy, take you through you're, this. You're an oracle, actually, because uh, my next pick was also the Charlotte Hornets. Right, yeah, I'm sure. Yeah, yeah exactly. The Hornets, <laughs> I mean... Um, so aside, I believe if we can just like take a look at their um they've had one playoff appearance in this past decade. Um mm-hmm. which I believe I want to say 2013. 20, sorry, no, sorry, I was I was wrong. 2016. 2016, yeah. in which they are a seventh seed by the looks of it. And um yeah, this this is the 2016 uh offseason, right? So this is like when all that money comes in. We're seeing like these absurd contracts. Right, and right. The Hornets. The Hornets paying for Batum, Nicholas it was Batum. Some, oh, yeah, like God. right. The the, the Batum uh, trade, the signing just makes zero sense. I'm just pulling up. Yeah, let me here. listen. Let, let me let me read you a list of deals here that, that they, right, they, right. They, they made. Um, Michael Kid Gilchrist. Uh, sorry, Michael Kid Gilchrist. That's a tongue twister. Four years, yeah. fifty-two million. Batum, five years, one hundred and twenty million. Marvin Williams, four years, fifty-four million. Cody Zeller, four years, fifty-six million. Miles Plumley's contract is four years, fifty-two million. Like, oh my goodness! Don't even get me started on Cody Zeller. Okay, so <laughs> I was gonna go through. Also, looking at these drafts, right? Like they take Zeller at four, right? In um, twenty fifteen, a draft where they could have taken either like you know a guy like sorry, sorry, in twenty fourteen. And so twenty fourteen, no, don't get me wrong, not a super like stacked draft. Right. But you know you still have guys. I mean, you have Giannis. The Bucks get at thirteen, which is like Steven I know Adams, even, right? Even a guy like Stephen Adams, exactly. That was my next guy I was going to bring up. Like, like I get Giannis is like kind of a stretch. We didn't necessarily know he's going to turn into this, but like you know Rudy Gobert, <laughs> Rudy Gobert is like really really good from that draft. CJ, um, right? Yeah, exactly. CJ McCollum was at ten. It was available at ten. So like, <laughs> just and like Cody Zeller is it, it? It didn't make sense even like at the time. Yeah. Then in twenty fifteen. They take um, Noah Vonley. It was just kind of like tweener, like uh, forward. Like doesn't really fit as like either he's not really forward or center type guy. And right. you, even if they wanted to get a guy like that, for example, Capella was available, and like even like Yoke, like Nikola Jokic is available. Which is, I mean, of course, like I'm not gonna get too hard on them just because like I mean we didn't necessarily know he's gonna be as good as he was, but I mean that guy, that type of like big man is available if they wanted to. And then Levine. Um, I mean, like. Levine uh, maybe doesn't necessarily fit their role, but I mean, really, really good scorer. You know, with him and Kemba, with him and Kemba, they would have put up a lot of points. I mean, not play a lot of defense, but should have certainly would have put a lot of points. And then just drafting Frank Kaminsky, like <laughs> just <laughs> oh just, my god, that, yeah. just the fact that that exists in a draft um, that featured. Hold up, um, hey, yeah, that just, man's a Bennett boy. Oh yeah, that's true. Yeah, yeah that's shout true. out, shout out to Ryan Demello. <laughs> so that 2015 um, draft, right? When they take Kaminsky at nine, the Justin Winslow is a pick right after that. Miles Turner, Devin Booker at 13. Um, and of course, <laughs> like Terry Rozier, who they end up signing for 54 million for three years, which is just, yeah, makes zero sense. Charlotte Hornets, even dating back to when they're the Bobcats and they're taking like Adam Morrison at two. Yeah, just uh, really not working out well at all. Now they're yeah. If you thought the Wizards was bad at like ninety million for five players, the Hornets are spending eighty four million on Zeller, Williams, and Kid Gilchrist. Like, 
come on, man. <laughs> that is egre- that is egregious. Exactly. And even the, um, that 2012 draft, I mean, like even selecting Kid Gilchrist. Beal and Lillard were on the board. Right. Beal's on the board. Like Beal, Beal, Lillard, um, even Andre Drummond, not really. If you really want to, I guess you can talk yourself into that at the time. Yeah. But, uh, it just makes, yeah. It's, I mean, I don't see how you can not take Beal uh, or Lillard. I mean, yeah. And if you dig into the smaller, the little smaller things too, that like they did things like hire Mike Dunlap and fire him after one season. They like right, just like drafted Malik Monk in 2018 when Donovan Mitchell was on the board, and they were apparently high on Mitchell. But like, so the coach apparently so it goes that the coach was like high on Mitchell, but Jordan wasn't as high on Mitchell, and so he wanted to go with Monk. I think mm. that's a one out. Um, the goat, but not the goat at evaluating talent. No, yeah, no. I mean, I think we can agree. I don't think it's necessarily even a hot take to say that. But, uh, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, and that 2017 draft. I mean, obviously, it takes some. We'll still need time to evaluate it all. But like, yeah, Donovan Mitchell. Even I mean, I think that's probably the big one. Although Bam Adebayo has been really doing some interesting things, or even like OG Ananobi, like later in the draft, like just kind of been really at the very least right these guys doesn't necessarily mean they have to play them but trading them you know just to get yeah it's back but uh yeah it's just unprecedented oh my god well you know i hope i hope that um i hope that jordan brand continues to do well because i don't think the hornets will be making him money anytime soon <laughs> yeah <laughs> no for sure i mean yeah like in, in a, a state like north carolina where basketball is so already like so popular and like you already have like you're vying for attention from north carolina and like duke and like all these great programs and so it's like when the hornets are like the most irrelevant basketball team you know like there are guys in the hornets who were probably like when zion was playing at duke like he was the best player in the state of north carolina <laughs> literally yeah 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 i know to get upstaged by college kids this is, you know, this is a, truly a fate I, I i think charlotte should move to i mean no offense to the great people of Charlotte. I, I, I think it's a wonderful city uh, and go Panthers, but um, <laughs> I think the Hornets should move to Seattle. Like, right. It doesn't make was, much positional sense to me. For sure. For sure. We were talking about the Kings earlier, right. As like a franchise, I was a big like Kings to Seattle guy. I was like, we just need to get them out of there. But even in Charlotte, like <clears throat> the Panthers are like the team, you know, that's what yeah. people like lie for Funny story, actually, my sister um, was on a project in Charlotte, right? And um, she said that the place she was working at, on the client site, like each conference room was named after a different Panthers player. So oh my like, God. We have like a Keekly conference room. We have like a Newton, Thomas Davis, Cam Newton. Um, so it was hilarious. I was like, wow. Like, so like just to get a sense of like, <laughs> like the Panthers That's are awesome. definitely the team. Yeah. <laughs> that team in Charlotte. So, I mean, honestly, like I wouldn't... I wouldn't mind just seeing that movie Seattle. We need to get a team to Seattle. We're a pro yeah. Seattle team podcast too, as well. Very pro Seattle podcast. Um, <laughs> shout out Starbucks. Shout out Bezos. Shout out uh, Gates. Shout out, uh, yeah, shout out Gates. Uh, shout out Russell Wilson. Yeah, yeah. Shout out. I mean, you know, I hate the Seahawks, but generally oh, pro true, Seattle. True. But <laughs> right, shout, um, out, shout out Sherman. Shout out Sherman. I shout out Sherman. I, uh, bridges the gap. Bridges the gap. Exactly. Um, so I also had obviously the Hornets and I think we've smacked them to death so we can move on. My next pick is actually the Minnesota Timberwolves. 
Okay. Okay. Yeah. And, and, and the reason is, you know, first off the hiring of David Kahn, uh, just an awful choice. Uh, just very incompetent, uh, GM, uh, did not know what he was doing. Uh, and we'll get into some of his, his stuff, but you know, I think the tastemaker for the decade was having the fifth and sixth picks in a 2009 draft and selecting Ricky Rubio and Johnny Flynn over Steph Curry, Drew Holiday, DeMar DeRozan. And then in the second round, picking Hank Novell over Patty Mills. Like, right. Even like, you can even point to a guy like Jeff Teague or like Darren Collison, like honestly better than a Johnny Flynn pick. Rubio, exactly. uh, like Rubio is also quite like why, but I mean, you know what? In Phoenix now, he's kind of a more legitimate point guard. He can shoot now. Took yeah. him like five years, but yeah, but they could have Johnny had Flynn Jeff Teague just... from the get go instead of trading Atlanta. Right. <laughs> um, so then, then, I mean, in 2011, they take Derek Williams over Kawhi, Kemba, Clay and Vucevic, which is also equally crazy to me. I mean, Derek Williams uh, I believe played for like a Turkish team the last I last I heard of him. Right. And, uh, um, and then and then I'm just like, yeah. Sorry, I was gonna say like, I because I had them on my list as well. And like even the 2009 draft, they, sorry, 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 2010 draft, they take Wesley Johnson at four over Demarcus Cousins, Gordon Hayward, Paul George. Like it's <laughs> Eric. You can even say Eric Bledsoe. Like it's it's genuinely like. Just the talent evaluation there, which is awful. It, it might be the worst run on draft picks aside from the Phoenix Suns. And I think right. the Phoenix Suns are even better just because like they got Booker. And right. the T Wolves didn't get anyone notable until Towns, really. Like Right, yeah. Cause I mean Wiggins they got technically they got a number one pick, but it's like I mean they traded obviously <laughs> love for it. And Wiggins, I mean, like uh, Yeah. And if you go way, way back, they had Kevin Garnett. And they drafted Ray Allen, but they traded Ray Allen to the Bucks for a bag of peanuts. Like it was cr- like <laughs> they could have had a, a team with Love, Rubio, Ray Allen, and KG, which would have been a perennial championship contender. Like that exactly. is a crazy team. Yeah. No, and like and like even you were talking about like Rick Hahn earlier, but even owner Glenn Taylor, like KG, like I mean, recently said like how much he has beefed with him, how like I mean, going in the Hall of Fame, like despite doing most of his damage with the Timberwolves, I mean, I, he's going in as a Celtic most likely. So. Oh, totally. Yeah. yeah. And, and here's the thing, right? I think the, the cherry on top of it all is like, the, you probably have some of this in your notes, the mishandling of the Jimmy Butler cat Wiggins situation. Oh my goodness. My yeah. God. Right. Cause also the Jimmy Butler trade itself is actually like pretty good. Like, I don't know why the bulls sent in addition to Jimmy Butler, another first round pick, <laughs> they sent a first round pick. <laughs> In addition to saying Jimmy Butler, it's like, we don't need, I think Jimmy Butler's enough. And I mean, getting like, you know, Larry Markkinen, who technically most people are out of, I'm still a little bit like, I can give him one more year. And like Levine, who, I mean, I think is, I guess the best player on the team now. And then Chris Dunn, which is kind of like on his way out. So really actually good trade for the Timberwolves and they still mess it up. Like they get one playoff run out of it pretty mm-hmm. essentially. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, you know, it's just like, you you have D'Angelo Russell and Carl Anthony Towns now, and hopefully that'll right. be two solid building blocks for the future. But I don't know. I, I just don't. I don't. I don't see it with the the culture that's there in Minnesota the management. Hundred um, percent. And like, I'm a big like Tom Thibodeau guy. Like as I mean, as you can probably tell. Sorry, listener. Yeah, you, you guys will tell. I'm a bit of a homer when it comes to these things. But even I can admit, <laughs> like Tom Thibodeau. Like by the time he got to Minnesota, like 
just like he the league had sort of outrun him like you know it's like where it's just like okay your style worked you know with like or like late 2000s early 2010s but like at this point now like i don't really think like playing your guys those minutes like as hard as they can it, it just won't work so the fact that he was their head coach and like president of basketball operations it's, it's just uh just not really a great hire on their part oh yeah absolutely um and i mean you know definitely beating this topic to death but um, Minnesota, I think in particular, just truly represents the heart of what it means to be a poverty franchise, just to miss so many draft picks in a row, <laughs> right, but then right. also pile on terrible trades and then also pile on locker room dysfunction. And then also just getting rid of like competent, like coaches. It's, it's really an all in one package. Very rare to see these. No, things. exactly. I think. And then, I mean, only rivaled probably by the number one team. I'm assuming it's on both. Like, can we just get to it? Sorry, I'm too excited. Yeah. Like, <laughs> oh yeah. Oh yeah. And by uh, that, we mean, I think we all know what we mean. But Spike Lee's New York Knicks. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. He would be a better owner, honestly, than James Dolan. We can start with that. Just quick anecdote, guys, for you, just before we get into it. Um, I was in New York uh, over the summer, just like visiting, right? I'm just saying, we, I go to MSG because I want to check it out. And I'm, it's a true story. Two guys approach me video camera in hand and they're like hey are you a basketball fan i was to, to be fair okay a little bit also i was wearing my kevin durant shirt right after he had signed with the nets so i'm like, <laughs> feeling a little bit uh did i want the smoke to an extent yes yes i did <laughs> um, but the guys that, that are like i'm assuming you're a basketball fan right they asked me and i'm like yeah for sure they're like, okay can you tell us like what you think of when you think of the knicks and i genuinely told them this is on camera they, this this was for they told me this was for a petition to get james dolan fired so grass support the grassroots movement, right? And they ask me what I think of the Knicks. And I say, I tell them that I wake up every day thanking God that I'm not a Knicks fan. <laughs> I don't think I can do this. Like genuinely like 50 years of incompetence pretty much. We're probably only going to focus on like the 20th century slash, uh, sorry, 21st century slash 2000, 2010s. But you can even go back to, aside from what, there are one, two championships, like one, like 73. Like aside from that, like the only thing they have work going for them was what? Like a, 60 win season were in the nineties where they get beat by Jordan and then a finals appearance where they blow a three, two lead. And then a finals appearance where they lose to the Spurs. Um, right. Literally just that. But uh, no, yeah, that was a fun, that was a funny New York. That was a funny uh, New York trip though, because like, <laughs> I don't know if I was in a Starbucks like right after and I ordered a coffee, right. But I'm wearing this Durant jersey and the dude just giving me glaring like daggers at me <laughs> and like it took like 30 minutes for my drink to come right so i go up to the guy and i'm like hey like uh can i get this iced coffee and the guy turns he looks at his guys like yeah get kd the coffee <laughs> i'm like ah man you guys are mad you guys are mad so that's just a quick little fan anecdote to dealing with nick's nick's fans but um oh my god yeah, you can yeah, want to start fans. Uh, <laughs> yeah. james dolan i feel like is the american saddam hussein in, in a sense, um, it may be a bit hyperbolic, but seriously, dude, like, okay. Under this man, he's ejected, not only Charles Oakley, New York Knicks legend, uh, but also Spike Lee most recently, you know, they've, right. This man has been attending your shitty games for 20 plus years now is the face of your franchise. And probably a good portion of your revenue comes from Spike Lee. And you you kick this man out because you, you, without telling him uh, he's not supposed to use like the player entrance, um, he goes and like the security guard tells him that he can't, and then you know causes a scene. 
it, it's crazy. Like the, the, the least you could do is tell your number one fan, Hey, we have a new policy change. Go through the front doors now. I'm sure he would have obliged, but that's right. unreal to me that you would like lose this man's support over <laughs> something so petty. Exactly. And it's like, um, I, given that, yes, Spike Lee is probably one of the few things that are keeping the Knicks like relevant, like in this sort of our current pop culture, our current just like cultural, like you, know, you have guys right, who are becoming NBA fans now. And like, just like, yeah, the last good Knicks team was like, I guess mellow, but I mean, fine. The only like, really, really good one was like the, the 90s, right? It's like, and their peak accomplishment is like, yeah, we, we gave Jordan a run for his money. Right. It's like, we, 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 it was like, you know, a fly, it's like a fly, like surrounding a pig, basically. It's like, oh, yeah, you know, we just, just kind of annoyed Jordan a little bit, but. Right. Yeah. <laughs> we may have sl- slowed him down on his march to like multiple championships. Like, like, exactly. Like, barely anything. So, I'm like, yeah. So, it's kind of a hard thing to sell. And like, even like, like, like legit, like New York as like a basketball Mecca, right? Everyone, first of all, okay. Maybe I'm the word Mecca just being used like in terms of like using for everything. is like kind of a, maybe a subject for a different podcast. Right. But, right. Um, a basketball, um, a Venice or a Vatican. Right. Right. Just like this, like, you know, storied place. And it's like, even like Knicks fan. I, I don't know. I, are we going to see where a bunch of fans in New York are going to become like Brooklyn fans you know, with Kyrie and Katie? Um, yeah. Yeah, I mean, like, it, it, they're genuinely, like... Because that's the thing that's kind of separate. What's interesting about the Knicks that separates them from the other franchises that we've listed so far is that the other franchises, right, are so bad that um, they're really, like, irrelevant, you know? And, and, like, if you were to ask maybe, like, a really casual NBA fan, like, what he thinks about the Hornets or the Suns, something like that. But the Knicks, right, still have this, like, huge relevance. That's literally their only selling point. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. And, you know, uh, you, you got to give it to Knicks fans. I mean, they have just the perpetual sense of hope right you talk to a knicks fan they'll talk about like frankie nilakina's like like you know field opposing field goal percentage when guarded by him though <laughs> right it's like, it's like oh yeah in 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 march on on you know like prime numbered days when the sun is uh outside and the temperature is below 60 degrees frank nilakina holds lebron james to like two of eight shooting or some shit like that. Right. Exactly. <laughs> it's like, not really. Um, I, I don't really know. It's I just, just not. Don't know how they yeah. do it. I don't know how they do it. Dude. Okay. Um, so they, yeah. they trade mellow or they trade for mellow when they could have signed him literally four <laughs> months later. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, yeah. Keep going. Yeah. It's too that, funny. They, 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 they hire Phil Jackson as the president of the Knicks, which surface value is seems as like a genius move. Phil Jackson hires Derek Fisher, who gets his ass beat by Matt Barnes, which is hilarious. Um, Phil Jackson himself really ran a triangle, though. <laughs> really, right, ran a really triangle. ran a triangle. <laughs> <laughs> Phil Jackson really like publicly feuded with Mello and Kristaps, the two most relevant names to be Knicks in the last decade. Right. Um, uh, well, well, they trade Ar- Andre for Andrea Bargnani in 2013-14 giving away a 2016 first rounder and three decent role players. Um, it's like, like Mello himself was responsible for Jeremy Lin and Mike D'Antoni leaving. And both of them found reasonable success after they left the next. <laughs> right. Then the worst, just the low, low, low point of the Knicks actually like came last year when they traded Kristaps Porzingis for like basically pennies on the dollar and promised not only New York, but also the rest of the country, uh, the hope of signing Zion Williamson or drafting Zion Williamson 
and signing Katie and Kyrie in free agency. And then what happens? <laughs> they, uh, they, 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 they draft RJ Barrett and they sign illustrious names like Todd Gibson, Bobby Portis, and Julius Randle. We're no scrubs. Four but... power forwards <laughs> in one off season. I just, it makes no sense. And like one thing that's just astonishing. I mean, like, I think we like, cause everyone's like, yeah, the Knicks whiff. Like the fact that they, 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 I think the thing that KD was looking for, like they didn't reach his number in terms of the contract, like pay this man. Like yeah, it yeah. would be okay. Like to be fair, it would be a totally Knicks way to get KD and once they get him where he's literally just torn his Achilles, but it's still <laughs> KD. Like, it's still this guy who, like, um, you know, arguably, like, like maybe, maybe the most talented scorer in the history of the game. Like, you still pay, pay the man what yeah. he wants, like, at the very least. Um, and then so... Uh, you know what the worst I mean, part about it is? What's that? He got sniped for Katie and Kyrie by a team that was at the top of this very list. <laughs> oh, like, my goodness. Yeah, like, the team that we started with, exactly. And this is, I mean, that's one thing, like... Um, I was I was debating putting the Nets on here just because about where they are right now, but I truly believe that that stretch was just really atrocious, and in which they were really close to becoming irrelevant. They really were. They were at that bridge, but then 2016, Sean Marks, Howard Kenny Atkinson are able to bring it out, and they had that playoff season with D'Angelo Russell, and obviously now with Kyrie and KD. But like, um, I just I can't believe it. Um, no, I mean I think I think you have to go with the Knicks as this stretch that are genuinely the worst in the league. Um, yeah, just quick. I think possibly so, yeah. worse than sports, right? Like, I mean, <laughs> possibly worse than sports, man. Like, you know, a lot of people point to Dallas as like you know being um, really bad in terms of Jerry Jones, right? Just like his his senileness, because it's kind of a similar situation. Where if, like, if we just judge the Dallas Cowboys purely on what they've done, we'd we'd be like these guys are just like the Jacksonville Jaguars. Yeah. I guess as a but you know but you know what they have the Dallas Cowboys like they got the star on their helmet, right? So they kind of iconic, like that, right? That, Right, they're, they do have that icon status. Also, I think like, the Knicks are like the Texans, to be honest. <laughs> I mean, honestly, right? Like, at least you can <laughs> argue with the Cowboys. Like, yeah, like, you know, they've kind of like, you know, in the past couple of years made like, you know, getting Dak, you know, Zeke. They've put together some good years, of course. Next year, they're definitely going to score like a bunch of points and then still go 8-8. Go eight eight. Right. But, um, <laughs> but, you know, one thing is interesting, actually. I think that we both, we both didn't talk about this thing. I think we now we've kind of rounded out, right, which we think mm-hmm. even our party franchises, but on um, the Lakers, just kind of like talking about that. Cause like, you know, if you really, aside from the off season of 2018, they get LeBron really, really sus. You know, you look at this, they got two, three straight number two overall picks and they take Brandon Ingram, Lonzo ball and uh, D'Angelo. Russell, sorry, sorry, Russell Ingram and Ben ball. Yeah. And, um, and at the end of the day, they're just kind of saved by their, by their name. You know, it's really yeah. weird. Like, it's kind of interesting how that they kind of bounce their way for that rather than the Knicks. I mean, the Lakers have won, obviously, a lot more, a lot more recently, too. But mm-hmm, mm-hmm. interesting. I mean, like, dude, it's like some of their moves, right? Like, like paying Luol Dang that much money in 2016. Timofey Mozgov. Do you remember when there was a point where Timofey Mozgov was paid more than Steph Curry? Like, yeah, it was, it was like unreasonable, like un, un, unbelievable, right? Like exactly. I think it was like a two-year. Because Steph signed like was it four years, forty-four million? I think was a deal when he signed his, his, his extension. Yeah, um, yeah, something like, something that. like that. And Timofey signed for two years, forty million, and it was just, it's just absurd. Um, it's like and there was a good stretches where like, LAC was upstaging LAL, right? It's like there it's was crazy. A, yeah, I mean honestly, Bob City. For about, yeah, exactly. Yeah, that, and you know what? Like that Clippers team, 2014, 2015, I really think 
it was kind of their their one shot to really go for it because um mm-hmm. actually uh yeah like in 2013-2014 yeah all these second round exits when they just like it just kind of like absurd like how they just they just keep losing like i think in 2012-2013 they were up 2-0 on the grizzlies um and then grizzlies win four in a row and they go on the eastern conference finals I'm like i think the clippers would have matched up well against that san antonio team that yeah. went on to play miami and even that 2014-15 team i think that was the clippers last sh- that was right before obviously golden state won um, yeah it was that, that was their last shot really at like really like maybe taking on the warriors um because i think after that once golden state won like when golden state obviously took off but i remember actually jj reddick was on a podcast um uh i want to say last summer where he was like you know, after that, like, I just didn't, like, we didn't really think we could go against the Warriors, but like in 2014, 2015, we thought we could. Um, and that was when they lost 3-1, obviously, to Houston. So tough stretch yeah, for the Clippers, yeah. tough stretch for the Clippers. Very, very tough stretch. I mean, you know, uh, at, at the end of the day, I, I think there are a couple of common themes here. Uh, and sort right. of life, life lessons, if you will. First, I think the, the, the main reason why these franchises suffer is um, sort of, Ego, ego, ego of the mm. of the GMs and uh, the coaches, and sometimes the players involved, that they become so fixated on a guy that they cannot escape from the tunnel vision and see what else is out there in the draft and and sort of deploy scouting re- reports effectively uh, and and digest that information and, and make the pick. And that's why you have guys like you know um, freaking Johnny Flynn taken before Steph Curry. Um, not that I'm complaining because that was right, right. A, um, franchise changing move for, uh, the warriors, but it's exactly, crazy. Yeah. Like, like, like it's delusion and ego. And then it, it's, I think it's also followed up by just having a, a closed mind to, to the, the way your offense and the way your game is played. A lot 100%. of, a lot of like, GMs are trying to fit square pegs and round holes and it's, it just didn't work out. Absolutely. I think there's sometimes those just fixating on this like random factors that like that. Yeah. You get tunnel vision on this one thing and you just kind of like, don't like straight, you can't see the bigger picture, you know, for example, like the Steph Curry pick, right. The big thing when he was coming out of college is like, Oh, his ankles, his ankles, you know? And it's like, I mean, when you have a guy who's that talented, I think sometimes you, we got to see it. Not to make a football comparison, we're talking about in basketball, but you know, with a Tua just now, right? Where I was like, just thinking that, you know, yeah. Like, it's like, yes, there are these injury concerns, but when the talent is there, you just kind of have to take it. I mean, like, for example, you want to make a basketball comparison, look at the Sixers, right? They're drafting Joel Embiid um, with a number three pick in, uh, I believe it was 2013. And it's like, yeah, you know, like, you were concerned about you know, his back. That was a big thing, I think, when he was, when he was uh, coming out of college, but like, a year and a half later, he's dominant. He's like one of the best big men in the NBA, if not the best. And yeah. so it's like, it, it kind of does work like, uh, with that. Yeah. Speaking of talent, yeah. Even mathematically, dude, it's like with Tua versus like Justin Herbert, Justin Herbert is like 100% chance of getting like a 70 overall player. And Tua is like 50% chance of getting a 50 overall player and or not even 50 yeah. 60 overall player yeah and a 50 percent chance of getting like a 98 overall player right right and no. that ex, that expected value is just much higher like 100 exactly exactly so, so you kind of have to go with the expected value on these things like which maybe maybe analytics like maybe these teams i wonder uh i want to see like the correlation between these teams and like analytics departments sort of like flushing that out but 100 percent. no it's actually funny you bring that up on Tua because i really think that this man's career is going to either be like 
like zero to a hundred. Like those are the only two options. Like, I don't think you can really be like, you'll either be like, yeah, just like perennially injured or it's like, I couldn't get it together. Mm -hmm. Or they'd be like, wow, what what a, what a great play. Well, I think Miami had to pull the trigger on it because they missed out on Drew Drew Brees. Um, Right. Yeah, no, exactly. They haven't had a quarterback (laughs) in like such a long time. And especially now with Tom Brady leaving the division, like it really is like a a great time to sort of, uh, to sort of go for that. All right. Well, um, I think that's it. Yeah, that's it for today's episode. Uh, signing off. My name is Ashwin Prabhu. My name is Anirudh Penether, and uh, we live in a society. Don't forget it. <laughs>